Lifetime, the official athletic country club of the Minnesota Vikings, has something for every member of your family. Get your family going today at lifetime.life forward slash kids. In the 2023 NFL Draft, the Minnesota Vikings select, you asked for it and you're getting it, defensive back from USC, Makai Blackman. Night two, rounds two and three, now complete in the 2023 NFL Draft. I'm Tatum Everett. This is the Minnesota Vikings podcast. I'm alongside Jay Nelson, producer Eric Davidson. And on the phone, we have Pete Bursich, Vikings color analyst. And I mean, guys, this was a, you know, you knew it was going to be a late round pick. You knew we were going to be up a little later than normal, right? Waiting for this to happen. But to, sure. but to trade back for the last pick, feel like it was deja vu from last year. <laughs> so the Vikings had the 87th pick in the third round or number 87th overall in the third round, and they traded that to the 49ers. They received the 102nd pick overall, which is the final pick in the third round, and they received a fifth rounder and a seventh rounder, so they made five picks into seven by just moving down 15 slots. Pete, what do you think of the move? You know, you still got it, it, It's hard to say, right? It's hard to say. It's hard to say. My, you know, if he was the number one guy on the board, that's the direction that you wanted to go was cornerback. Um, then that was a good move because obviously the, since no one was chosen from that position group, you got the guy you still wanted uh, and you managed to pick up uh, two additional draft picks. So a uh, small victory, um, you know, you still can find guys this late that, uh, that are going to contribute and are going to play. Um, and uh, you know, we'll see. So not a, not a, you know, I can't complain. It's not, not a, a bad move. And know had mentioned for him, you know, he this was a guy that they were interested earlier in the draft and they felt fortunate to be able to get him at the end of the third. Um, I think, you know, one of the things with with this pick here, Pete, is, you know, being able to pick up another cornerback after we had such a turnover this offseason of, of cornerbacks. You know, how do you feel like is this a, a position of need and that it kind of fit the bell or do you think there's somewhere else that they should go? Well, no, I mean, if there's a if there is a position of need. Um, you, know, you picked up Byron Murphy, um, you know, who's, I think, one of the best, one of the better, well, he's one of the better just pure man-to-man style cover corner that uh, this team's had in quite some time. You know, you're still, even if, you know, you're still counting on Andrew Booth being part of it. And so for a guy like, you know, Mikai Blackman, he's got a really good opportunity to come in here as a third-round selection and, and, and get a lot of playing time. You know, if you're if you started the nickel defender, which I would assume that's what they're trying, that's what they're going to do with this guy. You know, you're, you're still getting a guy who's going to be on the field seventy percent of the time, right? Sixty uh, percent of the time. So um, we still need people. We still need bodies at at the cornerback position. Um, you know, I, I I'm not wrote on who we have outside of uh, you know those guys as projected starters, but um, I think. One thing is safe to say, though, Jay, is, you know, you look at this guy at five foot 11, 178 pounds, uh, gone, I think, might be the days of the six foot two long armed cover two corner that jam, you know, jams and funnels. And and so, um, you know, I think we're 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 changing that a little bit. 
I think part of that too, Pete, is you know if this league is going to get to a point where they're going to be faster and faster, and the emphasis is on kind of that speed side of everything, you're going to need guys that can keep up with that. And I know get a good jam on the line, it's going to help with that. But at the same point, you got to be able to keep up with those guys in the open field. So you know, hopefully a guy oh, yeah. like yeah, hopefully a guy like Makai is going to be able to come in and fit that bill. I would be willing to bet you if you just if you sat down and looked at all the previous draft drafts, there have been more guys under 200 pounds drafted this year than ever. I mean, it, it seemed like every other guy, wide receiver, um, yeah. you know, this is not the year of the big wide receiver, that's for sure. Right. You know, it's definitely not the year of the big defensive back. So, yeah, it, it's been it, – it, it's interesting. You know, game's changing. Um, guys that can, you know, regardless of size, that can run – you know, in the four threes and low four fours, they don't, you know, they don't grow on trees, right? They're, they're very difficult to find no matter, you know, how you look at them. Um, you know, and these guys are developed differently. You're seeing the emergence of, of all this uh, seven on seven, you know, leagues and all those kinds of things. So um, you're seeing a lot more guys, I think, uh, just of different statures and, and such playing those positions. And, you know, it is what it is. So he's obviously a teammate of the first round draft pick, Jordan Addison. His final season was as a Trojan, Makai Blackman, the pick. He sat down with me just before his press conference, and we did actually talk about his versatility. He feels like he can play inside, he can play out. He's, I, I like what you said, Pete, about being um, maybe this is what their plan is for the nickel spot because I know Chandon Sullivan's not officially signed yet. He's not; he's a free agent, so they don't really have a you know a solution at that position as of right now. So I think that's a really good uh, observation um, to to bring up because I know he felt very confident in his abilities. He's really known as an aggressive man cover corner which I think kind of matches the style of what Brian Flores is looking yeah. for. Um, yeah. If you if you kind of did a deep dive on it on social media, I kind of did one real fast before our interview, Pro Football Focus seemed very um, high on this guy. Uh, thought he was probably one. He, 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 he kept competing for a lot of the rankings in the tops of what they thought corners were in this draft. And despite dropping there, obviously, to the to the last pick of the third round, they see a lot. They saw a lot of potential in him. He ranked as one of the top man coverage corners and zone coverage corners um, for them this season uh, for college football. So I mean, there could be really good things that come out of that, and maybe maybe it is a steal. And let me let me point to something else too. But you know, we we have to all take a step back and understand that the draft is about height, weight, and speed. I don't care if you are one of the best cornerbacks in college. You go out and run a five, a four-five, a four-five. You know, mind you, um, you're you're sliding out of the first round, right? You're 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 you don't have that ideal height, weight, speed that that they all want. So um, there are, I mean, there still are a lot of very very good football players out there they're just not going to have you know all the measurables they might be a little bit light they might be a little bit short they might be uh a four five five or four five two instead of a four three or four you know so you just have to accept it for what it is and you know it's hard because again you don't you don't just rank these guys by how they look on film there's there's so much more to it 
that's the business. That's the way it is. Now, one thing I found out and, and looked up on him real quick, um, he did his senior year. He had he, he was in Colorado for a while and then transferred to USC. Um, you know, he had some injuries and missed, missed a lot of games along the way. But his senior season played in 14 games. He had three interceptions. But he said he tied or either tied or set a school record with 12 PBUs. So you look at 12 pass, you know, 12 passes broken up, three interceptions. That's 15 plays that he got his hands on the ball. So you look at, you know, you look at that number and you look at his size and you go, yep, there's your nickel corner. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? If you have a guy that can move like that and then has, and you, you would you hear all the time, uh, you're, you do hear all the time about wide receivers. It, it's, it's ball skills. It's, uh, looking at, at Addison. Here's a guy who, you know, dropped 2% of his passes his way. So, you know, you want to have the catch radius. When I remember looking at Justin Jefferson, his catch radius was absolutely ridiculous. You just put the ball anywhere near him, you can come down with it. The second thing was the ability to create separation. And that's not just a function of speed. It's not just about being able to run a 4-3. We all know who Troy Williamson is, right? We all know (laughs) that you can't just be a spec sheet warrior and be a great receiver. Um, in fact, I think the ability to create separation is 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 really the the most important. Well, second most important thing. Obviously, you got to have great hands. You can't you can't have any drops. You can't afford to drop anything that you should catch. Um, but you got to have separation. And and when you watch Addison, he knows how to do that, and he does it consistently. He caught over a hundred passes, I believe, for. Southern Cal, and he was the guy that they were trying to stop. I mean, you know, that's maybe the mistake we made with Williamson was that he was never the number one receiver. Um, But you look again at uh, Blackman, and if he's going to, you know, challenge and, you know, do those things, you know, the question is, I wonder, you know, you wonder if Addison was in here today, if they were asking him questions about Blackman, you know what I mean? Just trying to you know, say what kind of guys you like, anything else we should know. You know, um, it's common in, in interviews. Yeah, I mean, he was you, here for a top 32, Pete. So he was, yeah, yeah he's oh, okay. been in the building. I think, uh, yeah, he's, you know, they they liked him a lot. Uh, Jordan Addison and, you know, familiar faces for them too, which is nice. I right. think they both could have vouched well, for each other for sure. You, It's like you when you ask somebody about a teammate, you know if they're just, you know, given the corporate line or if they're telling the truth, like I've asked you, I've asked you Tatum a dozen times what you think about Jay. (laughs) And it's, it's like, he is a a great guy. (laughs) Really hard worker. He's really hard to get to talk. And, you know, it's like, you know, you just know when somebody (laughs) is, is not, you know, being genuine in their response. And, you know, because I, I, someone on Twitter asked me that question. Now, in my class, when I came out of college, um, we had uh, nine in my class, there were 20 of us, I think. And we had nine guys that were drafted, uh, five in the first round uh, between 93 and 94. And then two of them are in the Hall of Fame. And we used to get peppered, you know, all of us got peppered about quite, uh, uh, with questions about other guys that we played with. It's a, it's a great resource. It's a mm-hmm. great way, you know, it's a great way to find things out. And 
this is, you know, my God, we could do a whole podcast on what the scouts do. Because when you go to a school for a workout day, yeah, you talk to the position coach. Yeah, you talk to the head coach. But you talk to the trainers. You talk to the, the, the football assistants. You talk to everybody in that building that interacts with these people on a daily basis. And you just ask them, what do you think? You know, on a scale of 1 to 10, you know, do you show up on time for rehab? Well, you know, uh, you know, eight, you're like, okay, maybe a six. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's how I found, that's one of the, re- that's one of the ways I found Heath Farwell when, when yeah. going out to San Diego state. Um, Cause there were two other, two other linebackers that were there that were really good. And, and you know, you start asking questions about them and, and I had more than one, more than one employee, a football secretary, a trainer, they're like, Hey, don't forget about Heath Farwell. Don't forget about Heath Farwell. He's a great kid. And you know, so it's, it's just information, man. And you try to put it together, some kind of picture and you stuff it all in a bag. And then, you know, you gotta be in the right place at the right time to pick these guys. I mean, it's, as you guys know, it's an immense amount of work for a short period of time. <laughs> oh, for sure. You know, it's, it's a TS. It's, 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 yeah, it's a day. It is one day. And that's one thing you want to tell the players is this is just a day in your career. You're on a team. Congratulations. Doesn't matter first or third. You're the only one that controls your destiny the rest of this way. You've got, you know, you've got to do the work regardless of, you know, the guy in front of you might make some more money, but hey, four years from now, you can be a free agent and, you know, get paid and then retire at 30 and never have go. to work again. Sounds like a great life. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, good, it's a good gig if you can get it. Yeah. And that's the thing is now is where the actual work begins, right? You know, of you course. go through the pop and circumstance oh. of all the stuff and now you you're know, in the in the building and now yeah. it's, now it's go time. You know, Jay, you bring up a good point and this is in, in, with, with that, when you talk about getting to work and you look at these guys that are rookies and this is why you a lot of times see them, you know, with a 17 week regular season, you know, 12 weeks in, 12 weeks in, 11 weeks in, these guys have been going, you know, they put in all the work to become seniors. And then, you know, they're seniors, they work their rear ends off and they have a great senior year. And as soon as the season's over, they're, they're not done. They're just getting started. They're training. You know, and then they're going to the senior bowl or the East West shrine game or, or whatever. And then as soon as they're done with that, they start training for the combine because that's what they do now. They train specifically for the 40 and the three cone and all those drills that they're going to run at the combine. And then as soon as you're done with that, you got to keep training because you don't want to be, you know, do something at the combine and then show up at your pro day and look like a slob, right? Because that's just good. So you, you got to keep working and you have your pro day. And then you might take maybe, I don't know, a week off. And then what, it's like a, what, a couple months later, or a month later, maybe is a draft. And then you're just starting mini camp when the guys that are veterans, they're just working out the cobwebs, right? They took January off. They took hopefully February off too. give their body two months to recover and then start easing into it in March, you know, getting into it in April and all that. And these guys fast forward to December. It's a long 16 months, (laughs) you know, it's a law. It's the worst year as a football player. Your rookie year is your worst year in the NFL because number one, you had that senior season going into the draft, going into all that. And then number two, no matter where you go, you're learning a new system, right? You're learning a, a new system. You're playing it at a level that's, you know, 10 clicks higher than what you'd ever played before. You have more that you have to remember. 
more details, more fundamentals. I mean, it, it's a, it's a, it's a rough, rough year. And that's why I, I look at a guy like a guy on top of my head is like Ed Ingram, right? Ed Ingram, he struggled at times throughout the year, but he got that year under his belt. He didn't miss any snaps, right? He finished it out. He got through it. So going into his sophomore campaign, I mean, look at the leap that Derisaw took from his rookie year to his second year. You mean KJ right? Osborne? Hoping, yeah, KJ Osborne. I mean, you're hoping that that you know Ingram does the same thing. Um, so you don't want to count on too many rookies. Just remember, you might see one, two, maybe three on a team. You know, I think the we played the Bears late in the year, and they had all I think almost all I think all five of their starting defensive backs were rookies. Yeah, I mean, I mean Quasey said that in his press conference coming into things. He was like, you know, I know that you guys want to talk about how we only have five picks this draft and we're going to look for impact players. Maybe, you know, just because we have five doesn't mean we can't get high quality players to plug in immediately. But he also said, we forget that there was a 10 player draft class last year. And those guys, it's almost like a red shirt year. You know, they're just trying to acclimate themselves. So then they'll get tossed into things and they expect, you know, they're almost a part of this draft class that he's comprising right now because, you know, they had little to no start times. And so you're still kind of dealing with the developmental side of things and getting them acclimated to being a professional in this game. I agree. Yeah. and I and I will I will say this. Um, that's a very you know yeah that's a that's a very very good point. Um, and I'll piggyback on that and say, just you know with with guys like let's just say Lewis Seen and Andrew Booth, um, they don't have a lot of games under their belt, but they are going to be leaps and bounds ahead of a rookie that just showed up, only because they've experienced the season. They know what it's like. They know what it brings. They know what training camp is like. You know, they know what to expect. Um, they've heard all, you know, you know, Flores is new, so there's going to be a new scheme on, on that side of the ball. But, you know, those guys, those guys still have a, you know, a big advantage. So even though they didn't play a lot as rookies, I still expect more out of a Lewis scene, uh, you know, or an Andrew Booth going into the season. I, I really, even though they didn't play, they you know, neither of them played a ton. Um, I don't look at either of those guys as rookies. They they need to be for sure better. They need to be better than that. You know, you got to have more of it than that. So, um, but that's just my two cents. Then the guy that's tasked with figuring out who fits in well with this culture and on the roster, Quasi Adofamensa spoke a little earlier tonight on why they drafted Makai Blackman with their final pick in the third round. Uh, yeah, obviously we finished uh, day two um, with a p- pick we're really excited about. You know, obviously when you don't have a second round pick, you're kind of waiting a little bit. So we were joking that TJ kind of sit in the, the front of the room with us and just entertain us. But I think he was somewhere else uh, tonight. Uh, but really excited about Makai Blackman. Um, we brought him in in uh, top 30 and really enjoyed talking to him. Uh, but, you know, obviously everything starts with the film, the evaluation, uh, super instinctive corner. Um, you know, he's one of those guys who throughout the route, there's a calculation going on at any moment. You know, there's two things a receiver can do, and he's trying to shrink the world uh, kind of uh, for, the, for the receiver. Um, plays really physical, plays, you know, with the good vision on the quarterback. I think there's a skill to knowing when to look at the ball. Uh, not everybody has it. He does. Uh, somebody who's aggressive in the run game, just somebody we're really happy we got where we did. Um, he was somebody we wanted to take actually in our first pick. 
I'm in the 80s before, before the trade back. Uh, but we got a good deal and decided to, to take the chance. And obviously, it's always treacherous. You know, there's, there's guys coming off the board. Uh, there's a group of guys that we're considering. But really happy with what, what we got. Really adds to that room. Um, and Durante, B. Flow, everybody's excited to coach him. With that, any questions? Chris, you just, uh, were there conversations, or what were the conversations like tonight about trading and, and moving around? You know, were there opportunities to move up if you guys wanted to, to do something like that? Yeah, we, we kind of set just plans and guidelines. If these players were to fall to a certain place, we'll call with this deal, and ultimately you have no idea if somebody will accept that deal. But we had all those conversations. But look, uh, credit to the league. I think the, the, the board kind of, the, the, the draft kind of went how the board was going, and none of them, you know, there was no inefficiency to the market, and, and there was nobody left uh, that we wanted to go up that high for. Um, but, you know, again, we were really excited about, uh, he's somebody that we, again, we brought in our top 30. He was, you know, we, we talk about in our draft, like different bundles that we'd be happy with. He was, he was one of them, and we're really excited we got him. Just a coincidence that both guys you drafted came in, or do you put extra stock in when you go through that draft? Um, it's a little of both. Sometimes you're you're, you're coming, you bring guys in because you want to learn something more about them, or just because you like different different things. You're asking different questions. Uh, you know, it, it just depends. But you know, again, I think it is always good to get more time with people. We always talk about what's it going to be like when we're sharing a hallway with them. So when you get to spend a whole day with them, when I get to look them in the eye, they get to look me in the eye in a really personal manner. Um, you feel like you get to learn somebody because um, you can fake it for 15 minutes. It's pretty hard to fake it for a whole day. How competitive do you expect that, that room to be just in general um, throughout the end of the summer and, and into the fall? Extremely. Yeah, I'm really, really excited. Uh, you know, I've seen, you know, AB and Caleb, they're putting in the work and obviously Murphy's got you know uh, you know a, a resume to his name and and obviously we signed Joe Juan and, and then we got obviously Makai to add to that group and tomorrow's not done um, we're we're just really excited the the flexibility that you know Makai brings inside and out AB could potentially bring inside and out uh, Caleb I think showed a lot in, in his minimal time playing last season so excited about that group and ultimately they're unknowns and uh, you know and that's what football is taking chances and seeing what they are and I think we got great coaches and a great process to develop them. It's funny. I asked the because uh, they were there. They were here. I don't know if it's the same day or with that. Yeah, obviously, they both say each other. Uh, Kev told him who's going to win one on ones. I, I just can't wait to see it. Uh, I know they're competitive. I've I've talked to their coaches there about how their practices are. Uh, I'm excited to get them. Uh, they're both incredibly instinctive players, and they're going to make everybody else around them better. Crazy. Did, did Makai take a big step forward when he went to USC? Did you see something there? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, obviously there's always a, a growth curve for players, but I think a lot of it was, you know, he got to, you go to a program that maybe wasn't as successful and you go to USC where they were in a national title, you know, competition the whole year. So playing with that urgency, that every game mattering thing, I think, you know, something he spoke about really, you know, being important to him and obviously getting to go against a player like, you know, Addison every day of practice and playing against Caleb Williams and all those things certainly helped his maturity. How much did, did you and B-Flow like talk about this position group and how much maybe did you learn through some of those conversations about what he seeks? Yeah, it's, you know, it, every one of those meetings that he's in, he's, First, a really good evaluator. Um, just he's really has, understands the language, helps you see the player. But then, second, he'll finish with how we're going to use him, how in this situation, things he looks for, and you know. Anybody who's watched his defense knows he likes versatility, different pieces he can move around. And we think Makai has, you know, inside outside flexibility. And ultimately, at that position, you just want people who can cover. That's that's the main point of the job, and and, I, and that somebody can do that. How do you, I, I guess, identify when someone can play that nickel because it does have 
you know, very different responsibilities from sure. playing outside. Yeah, I think a lot of times it, you're projecting, right? So there's it's like a running back with routes. A lot of times in college you don't get to see them run the whole route tree, so you got to project it on a couple cuts, and it's it's not easy, obviously. Uh, so in you know, uh, for a nickel, maybe you try and see when they go against a, a cut split where it's more like a nickel rep or versus certain quick guys that you maybe know have nickel type of, uh, sorry, slot receiver type ability. Um, then from then it's really, it's feed, it's competitiveness inside. You know, you got to get in the run fit. They got to be willing. Uh, it's, it's a lot of different things. And yeah, ultimately you're projecting, but it's something that we feel confident that you, they have the traits to be able to do it. Your high picks these two years have been from quote-unquote football schools. Is that coincidence? I think that's uh, there's no variables there. Uh, just, you know, we, we, we have a process with our film. We have a process with our combine information, our character reports, all those things. And, you know, you can your first two picks can be from the same team, and there's some odds that that happens. And, and I, I, I doubt that would happen again, but we'll, we'll see. You'll never know. That was Vikings general manager Quasi Adofa who we hear from after every round, talking about Makai Blackman whose teammate is Jordan Addison. Who would have thought two Trojans in the first two picks of the 2023 draft for the Vikings? I, I for one, am looking forward to seeing these guys battle because I'm sure last year was uh, really interesting in practice. And I know that guys last night after we got Addison were already uh, chirping a little bit on social media saying, you know, practice is going to be fun. And I think now having two guys that are very familiar to each other showing up to the same building, it's probably going to be really fun in practice. Think about this, guys. I mean, you, you sent scouts where all over the country think about the, or the world about <laughs> think yeah think about the you know the air miles that ziggy could have saved on <laughs> and you know what you could have sent two dudes out to southern cal yeah and we'd be in the you know we'd be in the same spot so whatever that's too funny whatever yeah it, yeah it the west good. coast scouts were busy this season weren't they yeah uh, right yeah and uh, yeah <laughs> apparently they were all hanging out at the uh, los angeles area it's sunny there. It's sunny and warm. I think I might have done that myself. Um, but we did welcome Jordan Addison to Egan earlier today as well. He had his introductory press conference. There's a one-on-one with Gabe Henderson on Vikings.com right now. And so let's hear a little bit from his press conference with the Minnesota media. I just want to thank the whole Vikings organization, Top Down, Kevin and Quasey, just for making this childhood dream that I had come true. So thank you guys for that. And then I just want to thank my family for just being with me every step of the way. It's been a long journey, lots of ups and downs, but you guys always been with me. So I just want to shout out to fam for that. Any questions? What do you say about uh, Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins? And, you know, do you know a lot about the Vikings offense? I'm sure you've learned a lot in the last 12 hours. Oh, I've seen a lot. You know, I watched them a lot throughout the season. And then just coming here on my 30-day visit and just seeing how they use their pieces get their playmakers the ball, and just move all the receivers around, let them run their, let them run a lot of different routes. So just as a receiver coming in, that's what you want to see. Jordan, what was, that, what was that top 30 visit like from your perspective? What stuck out about that day to you as you were here? Just the energy in the room, walking around, meeting, meeting everybody, and just seeing how everybody just being themselves. Jordan, what was your motivation uh, transferring from Pitt to USC? And, and at that point, did you have a feeling you might be entering the draft at this stage? Right. So that was just a gut feeling that I had to go with. A lot of coaching staff changes at Pittsburgh, the University of Pittsburgh. And I just went with my gut feeling and stuck with it. What was the hardest part for you about 
changing schools after having been there and done what you you did do at Pittsburgh? I'd say the hardest part was just going through that transfer portal and then all the backlash that I was getting from, you know, the previous team that I left and just a lot of different fans, media. So that was just the toughest part. Nothing no. Jordan, do you have any former collegiate teammates in the league now that you've talked to kind of give you an idea of what to expect now that right. you're in the league and what have they told you? Yeah, I talked to Kenny Pickett a little bit and DJ Turner, those two guys in the league that I play with. But the, the main thing that they told me was just surround yourself around a good group of people. Remain being yourself because I'm what got, you know, just be myself because that's what, you know, got me here. But just finding my routine and just attacking every day with that same mindset. I read that Notre Dame and looked at you as a corner going out of high school. Did you ever actually consider that? No, I ain't never considered that. Well, I did, but my brother had told me, like, you need the ball in your hands. So I just stuck with the offensive side. And I'm happy to say it paid off. Jordan, whether it was, I guess, playing corner or playing quarterback in, in high school, what has that done for you as a receiver, just learning how to diagnose coverages and, right. and get on the same page as a quarterback? It just showed me, like, to look at the bigger picture. So on the offensive standpoint, just – knowing what every guy does and not just one position. So X, Y, Z, H, just learning that whole concept. And then it just makes it easier for me because I know where everybody is supposed to be at, when, and how much time I got in my route. Jordan, you're the biggest guy in the draft or the biggest receiver. Do, do they try to get physical with you a lot? Is, is that something you have to negate? Or is that something that's going to be a learning curve? Yeah, that's something that a lot of people try to do, just, just looking at me, eyeing me up from the first point. But I just try to make use that as their weakness. So the, some people just try to get over aggressive and I just use that to my advantage. Obviously you mentioned watching um, JJ and the Vikings last year, but when you think about the history of the Vikings at receiver, um, kind of what, what do you know um, over, over time? It's just really a prestigious place for receivers. Y'all know for having more than one great receiver and then I'm just glad I get to add to this great receiver room that y'all already got. Jordan, when it comes to creating separation, it seems like that's your biggest strength. I, I guess how do you master or how have you uh, worked to master the route running techniques to create separation? Because that's kind of the biggest thing that wins in the NFL. Really just taking pride in it and having fun with it. So when I'm running my routes, I like to look at it like I'm an artist and I'm going out there painting pictures. So I just fell in love with the craft, and I feel like that's what helped me succeed. You said you watched the Vikings a lot last yeah. year. What was your impression of Kirk as a quarterback and now that he's going to be the guy? Just how he can make plays with his arms. You know, he's accurate, does a good job anticipating throws, and then, you know, he feeds all his receivers and gets playmakers the ball. Jordan, can you kind of just take us through last night, just the whole moment leading up to getting a phone call and just the realization with family and friends around what that moment is like for you? Yeah, that moment was crazy. I'm glad I came to the draft to experience it, but – just waiting on that call, I had a lot of emotions going through my body. But once I finally got it, I was really excited just seeing my family smile, jump up and down. And just it was just a special moment celebrating it with them. What was it like realizing it was Minnesota? It was crazy because this was my last 30-day visit. The last time I was on a visit, I was here. And they told me if I'm on that board, they're going to grab me. So once Minnesota came up, I just kept checking my phone. Last two minutes came down, they called me. So <laughs> just excited for that. Did, did any other team? In your th top 30 bits, I don't know how many you made, but did anybody else kind of leave you with that impression that you may get, you know, if you're there, they'll draft you? Yeah, they said that, but things stick to their word, so I'm glad to be a Viking. How many, how many teams probably did that? All of them.
<laughs> but this the one that this where I'm supposed to be at. They believe in me, and I'm just glad to be here. Who all of your family was there last night at the draft with you? Uh, my siblings was there, mom and dad, grandparents. We had a pretty big crowd. It was fun. Jordan, what are the main reasons why you're ready to play tribute like right away? Because just my confidence, and I'm willing to come in here and work every day. Like I'm happy coming into the building, studying extra tape, and just being around the guys. They've got Jefferson, Osborne. They pick up Hawkinson. You know, they've got a lot of tools there. Does that excite you, or do you see a role for yourself? I mean, have you identified that? So the role for me, I, I just leave that up to the coaches and make sure that when I come in here, I can run routes all day and I'm ready to work. But just coming into a great receiver group as a as a young receiver or a young rookie, that's what you want. You know, a lot of great receivers that already proven themselves that I could go learn from. Jordan, you described kind of the artistry that goes into everything. And then um, your brother said you need the ball in your hands. But how much happens before the ball actually gets there? And how much emphasis do you put on those aspects of the game? Right. Well, a lot happens goes going into that. You know, first, you got to get off the line of scrimmage. And then you got to win your route. So it's just a lot more that goes into it that people don't really understand. But I take pride in everything, every little detail about being a receiver. And I love it. How did you start looking at route running like art? When, when did that come up for you? When I got in high school. So I, I, I started watching. I was Well, Stephon Diggs was from around my area. So he was, just, he was a top receiver coming out, of, coming out of Maryland. And just the way he ran routes and his mindset about everything just kind of shifted my perspective. Because I was a quarterback at first. So coming out of youth league, I played quarterback. And then I started looking up to them guys. And then that's when I switched my positions to receiver in high school. And then I never looked back. Jordan, you talked about fulfilling a childhood dream. I'm just curious, kind of, at what age did you really get into football? And kind of, you know, how did you envision being in the NFL one day? I was five years old when I envisioned it. Because I, I wanted to play since when I was, when I was three. But my mom used to always tell me I had to wait a couple years to play. So when I was three, she told me, wait next year. So then when I turned four, I'm like, Mom, you told me wait next year. And then she said it again. I'm like, you told me that last year. And then she broke it down to me like I had to be five. So once I, once I put them pads on, it was over with. Who were some of the players when you were growing up that you really enjoyed watching? Michael Vick, Odell Beckham. Are you comfortable playing in the NFL at this weight, or have you been told you need to add, add a little bit? Uh, I'm comfortable at this weight, but I feel like all I need to do is just get stronger. All right, that was new Minnesota Vikings wide receiver Jordan Addison, the first-round draft pick this season. And, Pete, you were at the presser. What did you like about what he said? Was there anything that stuck out? I liked his intensity, you know? I mean, when, when someone asked him a question, he would look him in the eye. Um, you know, he didn't, he didn't say too much, which is hard. Right. If you're up there and you're being asked questions, it's hard not to just ramble on. He just answered the question and moved on. Right. When he was done, he just yeah. and yeah, he's got a um, and I encourage, you know, anyone to you know, anyone listening to, to watch the interview with Gabe because he's he's a funny dude. He's got a he's really dry. I think a, a, what I think is a really dry, but great sense of humor. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, I love that, you know, because I, I know in the media room, everybody was kind of like, all right, you know, we're, you know, trying to pry in from me. He's not Justin Jefferson, right? JJ's got the smile and, you know, uh, uh, that way about the laugh, him, right? You know, that way about him. And then this guy's just like, yep, nope, you know, just 
just real. And matter you kinda of fact, come, you kind of look and go, oh, okay, that's that's interesting. And then, but then you see him, you know, in the one-on-ones and talking about him growing up as a kid and, you know, fighting over, you know, not fighting over, but uh, having to wait in line with his brothers to play video games. And, you know, you, he's like, yeah, you better be good and you better win because if you don't, you're going to be sitting out again, waiting for your next turn, which could be a long, it, it just, it was good to just get to see him in, in a couple different areas or different ways but you know he he, he does seem well like yeah very... we wanted to see the guy that was in the floral pink suit with the sure. million dollar yeah. bills on the inside of it <laughs> with that, where's I, that guy right but that's what I, exactly that's kind of like you're like okay this, you know you saw that outfit and you're expecting okay he's a wide receiver right he's he's, he's, uh, <laughs> yeah. he's, he's that what way. gave it and away then, <laughs> and, then he up and he was all business-like and i'm like okay you know he's it's a puzzle. It's kind. Of, that's what scouts do, right? That's the fun part of, of scouting. I think is you, you you get to do that. You talk to them and you see them in different. You watch you know, the scouts all watch these guys and how they are, and not just during the snap at the Senior Bowl, but how are they in their meeting room and how are they on the field and how are, you know what are they doing during warmups? Are they jack you know are they screwing around or are they you know serious and you know are they good teammates and those are all you know a million and one little details. And you pile them all together and you try to, you know, paint a picture of what you're trying to get and whether or not they'll fit. So, um, yeah, man, it's a, it's a lot of work for, it's a lot of work for that. If, you know, when that goes into all these guys, but, uh, I really liked, I liked Addison, you know, I liked him on film even more too. I think he's, he can get, he can create separation, man. He's, he's I think he's going to be a, a, you know, a good ad for this team. He's going to be, Pretty productive. I think I I expect him to be very productive. I think this kid Addison can can beat somebody one on one. He can beat man coverage. He can create that space and separation, and he catches almost everything that goes his way. So I I just think this kid's going to be uh you know there there's a lot of offensive talent now, right? He's not going to be getting a hundred catches a year, but I do think he's going to be a viable answer to man to man coverage and some other things that. We expect, I expect to see a hell of a lot more of this year because of J.J.'s production. My thing that I love the most about this is Keenan McCardo with the giant smile on his face saying we got a lot of swag in that room. A lot of like, swag in that room. He, he's, he's got plenty of personalities, but you know I think if it's one of those things, if it does produce on the field, he's going to be a very, very happy man being able to work with all these guys. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it's uh, – <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's that's the down you buy, right? When you're a wide receivers coach, and and that's kind of the cool thing about with Keenan McCardell is, you know, he you think about that if you're a rookie walking in that building, and you meet your position coach and he looks at you and he's like, I've done everything, yeah, that you could do, right? I've I've seen everything that you could possibly see, right? And so, you know, God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason, so you listen twice as much as you talk. And so you're, you know, be advised, just listen <laughs> and, you know, hopefully, you know, the kid's smart enough to do that. But yeah, McCardell, he's got, a, he's going to have his hands full. You have a fun meeting room. This a is fun want, meeting right? room. Mm-hmm. Well, you're a position sure. coach. I mean, it, it, you, you want to do that. And the know, fashion, it, the fits. Except you never want to be an offensive line coach. Cause it's offensive line. It's like, or, well, at least those guys sit down and listen like D linemen. Now that's like romper room. The D linemen are all the kids at ADHD, don't listen, can't sit still. Yeah. 
don't want to work together. I don't know. know. I feel like you're you know, describing Chris Rumpf right now, who is in charge well, of that room. Yeah, so <laughs> saying it's a, it's a defensive line meeting room is one of the great. It's it's hard to describe, but it's 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 one of the one of the weirdest places you'll ever set foot in. The draft starts in less than twelve hours. Woo! Oh, Jay, when you put it that way, <laughs> when does it start? 11 a.m. on Saturday morning. What a great tease. 11 a.m. Saturday morning for rounds four through seven. We'll have a lot of the same stuff coming at you as far as the five picks that we will see tomorrow. Five, right? Yeah, five. We got now five. That's a great, great day. Great day. At the end of it all, we will hear from the GM and the head coach. We'll have those interviews posted online as well. You'll hear their press conferences from the draft picks. Those will be on Vikings.com or the Vikings app or on YouTube. And then hopefully over the next week or so, we'll have some more reactions for you. But for now, thanks for tuning into this edition of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. But thanks to Jay for staying up with us, Eric for still being alive over the year despite yawning in our faces, and Pete Bursich. Thank you so much for staying up with us. We appreciate it. Thank you, Pete. I'll be awake for another four days in a row. So <laughs> Just go on a bender. It'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was yes. a good, I got a nice, yes, genuine belly laugh on that one. On that note, you guys have a good <laughs> night. We'll talk to you all tomorrow. Bye.